So uh, this week and next week, the next this week, next week, we're going to be wrapping up our series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this week, we're going to be in Galatians. If you have your Bible and, and you want to follow along there, um, we're going to be in Galatians 5 and Galatians 3 this morning. Um, but just by way of introduction, Galatians 5.16, uh, what we'll see is that Paul says that we should walk by the Spirit. In verse 18, he says that we should be led by the Spirit. In verse 22, Paul says that we should bear the fruit of the Spirit. And then in verse 25, he says that we should live by the Spirit and again, walk by the Spirit. Uh, so when a, when a writer writes that many things about the Spirit in a short span, um, it's important. And so we, we, we see uh, a, a lot of repeating here and uh, Paul's drive for us to live with the Spirit. Um, as we begin to close out the series, I, I want us to see what life can look like uh, as we live in light of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence with us. Um, and I want to answer the question of, of how, right? How do we live this life? How do we walk as Paul is calling us to walk? How do we walk by the Spirit? How are we led by the Spirit? How do we bear the fruit of the Spirit and live by Him? That's sort of what we'll talk about this week and some next week as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to unpacking that this morning and even looking forward already to next week. So let's pray um, and, and pray that the Lord would be gracious to teach us this morning, uh, that the Holy Spirit would take the Word of God and plant it deep in our hearts, and um, that He would do the work of, of transforming us into the image of Jesus. Would you pray that with me? Good. Let's pray together. Father, what a beautiful gift that we have in prayer, and not just um, that I can pray, but that we can come together as your children, as your family, and pray together and, and ask of you our Father, and you are a good Father. What we ask this morning, we believe we ask according to your will. Teach us. Teach us, Father. Um, help us. Holy Spirit, be good this morning to, uh, to open our eyes to see the truth of the Word of God, our hearts to receive it. Um, shape us. Shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. You are, as we've talked about, Holy Spirit, our great. And so this morning we, we admit our great need for your help. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I want us to start this morning in Galatians 5. And uh, we'll start in Galatians 5, verse 16. Paul writes, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So what Paul is doing here is setting up uh, an either-or for the life of a Christian. Uh, life is either lived by the flesh or by the Spirit. We are either living our life day to day, moment by moment, uh, by the flesh or by the Spirit. And what Paul means when he talks about the flesh is our, 
our human desires. Uh, Our human desires, our own human strength, our own human wisdom, uh, all of that is what it means uh, to to be in the flesh. Uh, Usually, when we think of living in in the flesh, uh, we think of it primarily and sometimes maybe only as irreligious activity in a person's life. When we talk about being in the flesh or walking in the flesh, we think about um, like really irreligious activity. Uh, Living in the flesh in that sense means that we just disregard the spirit altogether. We disregard the law altogether. We disregard God altogether. and, And we are living to fulfill our own wants, our own selfish wants and desires. Now that could be seeking our joy and satisfaction and other other people or in other things like like money, like drugs, alcohol, sex, all of that, whatever it is or or wherever it is that we we think that we can find our satisfaction, we chase after that for self-fulfillment with no regard to God, right? This is what we think of when we talk about following the flesh and irreligious behavior. Life lived by the flesh is a life of, of, of great sinfulness and, and often is, is most clearly thought about in us for irreligious people, those people out there. But listen to me, living religiously can also be living by the flesh. We often think of the irreligious, and the worst-case scenario in irreligious life is living by the flesh, but, but it can also be a, a religious life that is lived by the flesh. The Galatians were, a, this, this church, they were a, a people who were doing that. They were, in their own flesh, trying to be good enough for God by following the rules. Their worth and their value um, was found in their ability to keep the law. That's the way that they looked at it. Their, their worth with one another and their worth and value with God as well. And, and, and so that results in a, a try-harder, do-better um, belief system uh, where if we, if we don't do good enough, then we aren't good enough, right? And, and, and when we mess up, when we, when we fail to keep the law and the rules and, and we don't do what we deem as good enough, then, then we do our, our, our penitence, right? And we, we try harder and we do more and we make it up with some, some extra good works. We do some extra things. So then maybe God will be happy with us again and we can prove ourselves to one another that we really are good people. This was just a, a slip up. So that too is living in the flesh. That's living in the flesh as much as irreligious people live in the flesh. It is, it is anti-gospel. It's self-righteousness. It's, it's self-salvation. It is faith in ourselves rather than faith in the work that Christ has done and, and even the ongoing work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our lives. So Paul is saying to the Galatians, the spirit and the flesh are at odds, and the spirit and the flesh are at odds in both the irreligious and the religious people alike, and they are uh, the spirit and the flesh at odds with one another. The truth is the spirit opposes our religious flesh just as much as he opposes irreligious flesh. So the call from Paul is to live by the spirit. 
Live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Follow the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. What Paul does next is to contrast the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of a life that is lived in the Spirit or the fruit of a life that, that, that is with a person who is walking with the Spirit. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, the fruit of the flesh. Um, this is not an exhaustive list. I mean, obviously, he says, and do such things as this, right? Like Paul is saying, this list could be, could be longer. Um, these are just some things that came to mind for Paul, particularly for this church and what he knew of them. So I'm, I'm going to go through these, um, and there are a lot of people who group these together. Tim Keller is one of them who loosely puts all of these things into four categories. Uh, so I'm going to do the same thing. Like Paul talks about sexuality, for example. He says sexual immorality. That is, um, that is one of the, the, the fruit of us, one of the fruits of our lives, when we are not walking in the spirit but in the flesh, sexual immorality. Um, that is the word that Paul uses there, is typically uh, used for intercourse between unmarried people. Contrary to our culture, uh, this is sinful behavior. This is not the way that God intended for us to live our lives. Gift, it is a, um, to live together and try it out for a while. Um, God gave us this gift. It is a gift, and he gave us this gift for husband and wife. So sexual immorality, impurity, um, un, that's likely unnatural sexual practices and relationships. Uh, he mentions sensuality, which is uh, debauchery or uncontrolled sexuality. So some of, some of the fruit of our flesh is, um, shows itself in our sexuality. Uh, there are two words that he uses that have to do with religion. Um, idolatry is one of them, and that's worship of other gods. And the other is sorcery or witchcraft, incantations, calling on evil spirits, um, uh, evil spirits who counterfeit the work of God. That was not uncommon then. It's probably more common than most of us would like to uh, admit even today. Uh, the third area is relationships, and this is uh, uh, the, the biggest part of the list here. Eight words that describe the fruit of our flesh in relationships. And here's what I think is really interesting about this is um, this fruit is easily seen both in legalism and license. Those who, 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 who practice their religion in the flesh um, or irreligion in the, in the flesh, both are relationally destructive, right? So he talks about these enmity, um, that is hostility toward one another, uh, an adversarial attitude toward others, um, strife, we are, we are picking a fight with one another, um, argumentative, uh, don't ever be the devil's advocate, can I just say that? Don't ever be the devil's advocate, because really this is just a fruit of the flesh. This is, this is strife. Um, don't, don't be that person. 
Jealousy is another one that he mentions. Uh, fits of anger, outbursts of anger, losing our temper. Uh, rivalries, that's a, a competitive. We have to win every argument. We have to be right about everything that is. We have to be the top dog. Um, dissension. Uh, that, again, is that disagreement that we have with everybody, and we set up sides. That goes into division, um, where we are dividing and we're pulling people with us. And it's, it's not necessarily that we are seeking truth anymore. We're just trying to get people on our side of things. Envy, when we covet what others have, desiring what is theirs. This is the fruit of our flesh. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. So when we begin to live a life and we see these things in our lives and they become a part of who we are, this is the evidence that we are walking in the flesh and not walking in the Spirit. Are you with me? Okay. Um, another one uh, that, that some people list is substance abuse, and there are two words here that refer to that. One is drunkenness. We know what that is. Uh, the other one is translated as orgies, and um, from, from the word and the guys that I've read on this, what they're actually talking about is drinking binges, excessive drinking. Uh, we would add drugs to that today, um, but, but that's what is meant there. Those things are the fruit of the flesh. Paul is saying that when we follow the path of self-sufficiency, this is what results. When we, when we seek to save ourselves, to be our own God, religiously through our own good works or irreligiously through fulfilling our own desires and wants for happiness outside of God, this is the fruit that will bear itself in our lives. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like the, these. Verse 22. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, great contrast here, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I should sing that song, shouldn't I? <laughs> I should not. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, most of us have heard of this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these... Um, there is no law. So love, the love that Paul is talking about here and the word he uses is agape love, right? When we are walking with the Spirit and the Spirit is a part of our lives, a fruit of walking with the Spirit is that we have um, the love of Christ in us. We have this agape love for other people. Agape love is unmerited. It's unwarranted. It's, it, it's loving the people around us even when they bring nothing to the table. That's what Paul is talking about. Joy. Uh, joy. Uh, joy is one of those words that um, sometimes you, you, I've, I have read lots of things on joy meaning this, joy meaning that. Joy just means happiness. That's what joy means. In, in the, in the Greco-Roman world that was being written to, joy meant deep, deep, genuine happiness. Right? And part of the fruit of the Spirit is that we are happier people as we walk with the Spirit. Peace, serenity, tranquility, the absence of turmoil, calm, patience. That means to suffer long, 
to bear with, to endure. And that's not just our circumstances. Sometimes that is the people around us as well. Right? When we are walking with the Spirit, um, we have patience. Patience in our life, patience with people. Kindness, we know what kindness is. Goodness, honesty, transparency, uh, being the same in every situation. Faithfulness, being loyal, um, being, being loyal, courageous, being committed, um, reliable. That's what faithful is. Gentleness, and this word is closely used with humility. Um, self-forgetfulness, that's the way that Tim Keller talks about it. It is thinking of not less of yourself like you are a lower person, but thinking of yourself less, thinking of others more, right? It's the opposite of self-superiority or being self-absorbed. It's meekness. And then finally, self-control, right? Controlling one's emotions and desires and impulses. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit that is born in our lives when we live by the Spirit and when we walk by the, the Spirit. And when we walk in the flesh, the contrast that we just saw, fulfilling our own desires, walking in our own wisdom, rejecting the work of the Spirit, then we will bear the fruit of the flesh, which is sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and more. Now, hear me on this part. The fruit is not our ultimate pursuit. I think this is hugely important. The fruit is not our ultimate pursuit. The fruit is the natural consequence of the pursuit. Right, so if we are pursuing the flesh and the things, if we're pursuing the flesh, right, our desires then, then the fruit of the flesh is the natural overflow of that. We don't have to pursue those things. In pursuing our flesh, those things just happen. And the same is true when it comes to um, the, the Spirit and pursuing the Spirit. The fruit, the fruit that happens when we pursue the Spirit is, is all of that good stuff. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of that. So Paul isn't saying pursue patience and not strife. Let me ask you a question. It, it, is, that, is that new information for you? Because I, when I discovered it, uh, I'm telling you, it changed my life. And, and I, I, I'm not saying that I do it perfectly. I'm saying, wait a minute. All these years I've been working hard to be patient. It, it wasn't working, by the way. I was pursuing the wrong thing. Paul, Paul isn't saying that based on, 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 on our efforts we achieve that. What he's saying is that it's based on who we walk with. Are we walking with ourselves in our own flesh? If we are, then the fruit of that is, is the fruit of our flesh. And if we're walking with him, then the result of that is the fruit of the Spirit. If we pursue the desires of our flesh, and we will if we're walking with the flesh, we don't have to try to be jealous people. I've never heard anybody say, I would really like to be more jealous. 
If I could just live a life with a little more jealousy, some more envy, I'd be in a great place. Those things happen naturally as we're walking in the flesh. They're just the, the overflow of that, right? If we pursue the, the desires of the Spirit, if we walk with Him, then patience just happens. We don't have to pursue patience. I, I was thinking about that because um, over the last week or two, I had a conversation with someone, and, um, and they said to me, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm telling this story. They're not here today. Um, maybe they'll be in second service. I have said the same thing, right? So I'll put that out before I throw somebody under the bus this morning. Um, and in my conversation, they said, I, I used to ask God for patience, but I am not asking God for patience anymore because I keep finding myself in situations where I need patience. It's kind of a half-hearted chuckle because you guys have said that too, hadn't you? Right? That's not the way it works. That's not the way that, that, that God does this. The, the virtues that we desire in our life, they don't become uh, ours uh, b b because of our situations and because we have done really well in our situation and because we've done so well, we're getting better at being patient. That's works of the flesh. That's trying hard that the natural fruit of our walk with the Holy Spirit is patience. So there's a, a much better way to be a patient person than, than to try harder. You with me? So, so let's, let's, let's pause here um, and, and start putting some things together. L last week, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, how the Holy Spirit manifests himself in and through us for the good of the body of Christ. And Paul was encouraging every believer to serve as the Spirit has gifted them and to do so with, with great zeal. This week, we're talking about the fruit that is born in our lives when we walk with the Spirit as opposed to walking in our flesh. These virtues, we might call them virtues, are, are beautiful, and I imagine that you guys are, are like me and you would love to have them as, as the defining virtues of your life. When someone describes you, I'm sure that you would love to hear that they are, you are, a person of, of, of love, like just filled with love. You just love people, and you're, you're always at peace, and you bring peace to a situation. You have such incredible patience and, and kindness. I, I think that you guys, like me, want that. You, you want people to see you that way. You want to be that kind of person. And honestly, we should be becoming those people because we're being shaped into the image of Jesus, right? And, and, and these virtues, these qualities are, are perfect descriptions of the perfect man, Jesus. So then for us, the question is, is, is how? How do, we, how do we live this life? How are, we, how are we to live with the Spirit? How are we to be led by the Spirit? How do we bear the fruit of the Spirit as, as Paul has called us to? How do we live by him, right? So, so how do we walk by the Spirit? A little bit, um, what, what is happening here and what Paul is addressing, the church in Galatia was made up of a lot of Jews um, in the church, and they had grown up Jewish and following the law. The gospel was proclaimed to them. They heard the gospel, and they believed. 
They believed in Jesus, trusted in his life, death, and resurrection, that he was their means of forgiveness and redemption and salvation, right? These people started the church in Galatia. And the church at this point is made up of, and, and Christianity itself as it's growing is no longer just the Jewish people that it primarily started with, but it's Jews and Gentiles. It's all people together. So, so, so the, the Jewish people believed the gospel. They became Christians. The church started, and then something happened. Something happened, and they left faith and grace of the gospel, and they were going back to the law. We do the same thing sometimes, but they were going back to the law. They were saying yes to Jesus, but it's Jesus plus the law. Yes, you need Jesus, but you also have to follow the law. So non-Jews were being told they had to adopt Judaism and Jesus. You had, to have, you had to have Jesus, but you also had to follow the law and keep the feasts and all of the festivals. And if you were a, a Jew who was a believing Jew, the same was true of you. Yes to Jesus, but you got to keep all of the law. You have to follow all the festivals and all the feasts and do all of those things. So Paul writes this, chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the works of the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So a couple of questions are being asked. How were you saved? How were you saved? How were you redeemed from your sin? How were you forgiven of your sin and and brought into this beautiful relationship that you have with with God? Was it by the law? Was it by the law that Abraham was counted righteousness, right, for the Jewish people? He's going back to the Old Testament. Was it by the law that Abraham, your father, was counted as righteousness or as righteous? Or was it faith? Verse 7 says, Know then that you are sons of Abraham, that is, the children of the promises of God, not by your birth and not by the law, but how? By faith. It's by faith that you were made true children of Abraham. And it was was by faith that Abraham was considered as righteous. Question 2 is more important for our discussion of walking with the Spirit. How do we walk with the Spirit? Paul asks the Galatians, you began your journey, right? He said, look, you you, you all started this journey, um, and and now how do you continue this journey? Let me read these verses again. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit? This is the start of the journey. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? 
Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul is saying here, Galatians, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish and now believe that the life you started by faith, you, you, now, you now continue by works of the flesh. Don't be foolish. Having begun by the Spirit, you are now perfected by the Spirit, not by the flesh. You are not now shaped into the image of Jesus by your work. Hear me? That's what Paul is saying to them. You are not perfected. You are not shaped into the person that you are supposed to be. You, you are not shaped into the image of Jesus by your own works of, of the flesh. You are not made to be like him. Now, hold on and let me connect this with what we were talking about. You are not made to be like him and, and become a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You, you don't become that person by trying harder to be that person. Are you with me? Walk with him, Paul is saying. Walk with him as you received him, and that is by faith. So how do we walk with the Spirit? How do we walk by the Spirit? It is by faith. It is, it is our faith that keeps us in step with the Holy Spirit. Now bear with me a little bit more. I need to unpack that. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter. So I want to make sure we understand what, what, what I mean when I'm talking about walking with the Spirit by faith. Um, Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, the writer there in verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Um, faith is not the same as knowledge. Okay? Faith and knowledge are very different things. Uh, if, if we have been in church for very long, we know a lot of stuff. We know a lot of stuff about God. We know a lot of stuff about Jesus and, and, and the Bible. Even in this series, um, I, I've had a number of you, as we've talked about the Holy Spirit, you've talked about learning things that you had not heard before about the Holy Spirit. You have gained knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge is the information that we hear and we take in and we process and we store in our brain, right? That's what knowledge is. We have a lot of knowledge that we put in our brain, but faith, faith is the assurance of the knowledge that we have in our brain. Faith is the assurance or the certainty of things hoped for, right? That's those promises of God. That's the, thing that, the things that God says are so. Um, faith is the assurance or the certainty of things hoped for. When Paul talks about hope, when the Bible talks about hope, when the writer of Hebrews talks about hope, they're not talking about the hope that we have for the Atlanta Braves or the Georgia Bulldogs, that's not what they are talking about. What they are talking about in the Bible is certainty. 
Hope is a certainty. Like we are certain that this is true. Hope is a confident expectation. So it's not that I hope that they win. When they use the word hope, it is I am confident. I confidently expect without question 100% my team is going to win. That's the difference in the way that we talk about hope and the, the biblical writers talked about hope. It is, a, it is a confidence. Faith in this sense means that I have certainty, that I am, I am confident. I have a confident expectation that what I know in my head as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, what I know in my head about the Holy Spirit because I've read it in the Bible, it, it is 100% true. Faith means that I have seen this in the Bible and I believe 100% because God said it, it is true. That's faith. Faith is, is a settled certainty of those things that we've been talking about. It's confidently expecting, it's a deep conviction that, that those things are, even though physically we can't see them. So the question, again, is how do, I, how do I walk in the Spirit? The answer is by faith. I've just shared with you what faith is, believing, truly believing, not just knowing, but believing all the things that I know in my head about the Spirit to be right and true. I walk in the Spirit by faith in the promises of who He is and what He will do. I have certainty that Jesus said, I am sending this helper and here's what He's going to do. Boom, got it. I have a helper. Think about some of these things with me that we've talked about in the series, and let's talk about them as, as points of faith. We talked about who Holy Spirit is, a person, the third person in the, in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is, is a person. And we saw how, how after Adam and Eve were removed from the garden because of sin, um, God was, was, was not satisfied to be separated from his people because of sin, and the Holy Spirit came, and God was with his people in the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, we know that, that technically the term God with us is given to Jesus, Emmanuel, but it is also true of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God with us. We saw along those lines that after Jesus came, lived his life, died, was raised from death, before he ascended to heaven, he, or he sent the Holy Spirit after he ascended to heaven to be with each of us, to be with each of us, not in a temple, not in a cloud by day, not in fire by night, but the Holy Spirit indwells each of us. That's what the Bible said, says. God is with us now by the Holy Spirit indwelling us, Paul says in Ephesians 1, 6, the moment you heard the gospel and you believed the good news of the gospel, you were sealed in the Holy with us in dwelling. That is God with us in dwelling us until the day of our final redemption. God is with us always. I've said this over and over in this series. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us because his spirit is always with us until the day of our redemption. That means in our deepest, darkest days, when we feel all alone, God is with us. In our hurt, in our loss, in our confusion, he is there. 
when you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning, he is there, he is with you. Now, now it, is, it is one thing to hear those words and say, I know that. It is another to confidently believe it. And that's what faith is. There's a, a, a book by Dave Kraft that I read, Leaders Who Last, last and, and he said something in there that just has stuck with me since I read the book years ago. Before his feet hit the floor, he's made a common practice every morning. As soon as he wakes up, he sings a little song to himself. I'm not going to get the words right, and I'm not going to sing the song. But it is, fill me, fill me, fill me with your spirit. Fill me, fill me, fill me through and through. That's the first thing he does when he opens his eyes every morning. In, in doing that, he is doing more than just saying a prayer. He is reminding himself of the truth of the Spirit's presence, that God is with him. God is with him as he wakes. God is with him as he sleeps. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the amazing thing that Jesus said to his disciples in preparation of his leaving. I just mentioned it, but he said, it is better that I go. It is better that I leave you. That is mind-blowing in itself to me. He says, it is better because if I go, I can send another like me. I can send the helper. It's better that I go so that I can send you the helper. And Jesus promised all sorts of things with the coming of the Spirit, the helper, and his indwelling. It, it, it isn't just that God is near us rather than far away somewhere. It, it is the truth. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper for a reason. He's come to help. Do you, do you hear me? God has come to help. God is your problem to help you every day in every way. You are never alone in your problems or, or in, the, in the questions that you have. You're, you're not in, alone in all of the things that you have to do in your life. He is with you, and he is with you to help you. A helper. He, he is with you, Jesus said, to teach you. He will teach you. He will remind you, Jesus said, of what is true. He will, he will bring to your mind things that are true. He will remind you of all that Jesus taught. Jesus said that. He, he, is, he is there. He is here to bear witness in me and to bear witness in you and through us to other people of the truths of who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit in us that bears witness to the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. But both for us and for the good of others. It's the Holy Spirit who brings conviction, right? That was the promise of the helper. And me and you don't have to talk about Jesus in a way that is convicting. We, we don't have to convince somebody else of the truth of who Jesus is or the fact that their life is, is an abomination. That's not up to us. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit convicts us, even as followers of Jesus, of sin in our own life. And righteousness, the righteousness that we should pursue. And, and Jesus says the day of judgment that will come. And, and, and that's what he does in those outside of the family who are, who are not believers. It's the Holy Spirit 
who brings that conviction. It's the Holy Spirit who guides us in these things and in, in all truth, Jesus said. He, he guides us. He leads us. God is with us, the Holy Spirit, our helper. He goes before us, y'all, just like he did Israel in the Old Testament. He goes before us. Any victory that we win is not our victory. It's the Spirit who has gone before us. He stands behind us, and he guards us, and he protects us. As he, is, he is in us, and he is with us every day of our lives. And isn't that beautiful? Now listen to me. What if this wasn't just a list of things that we've heard? What if when this series is over, we don't just file that away somewhere with notes in our Bible or put it on a shelf or store it away in the back of our mind oh, it, when it comes up again to say, oh yeah, I've heard that before. What if this was more than knowledge that we've stored in our head? What if we really believed it? What if this was our 100% confidence? That's what it means to walk by faith. 100% unfailing confidence the Holy Spirit goes before us. 100% confidence that the Holy Spirit is with us. Here's a little bit of, of what I... I think would happen if I really believed that. If I really, truly, deeply believed that, I would pray more. I, I, would, I would talk to the Spirit who is a person who is with me. I would talk more to the Spirit, God with me. I would ask for help. I would ask for direction. I, I would probably do that first instead of last. I would look for His leading instead of my own wisdom. If, if, if I believed it was him who convicted others of, of, of who Jesus is and, and what he has done of sin and righteousness and judgment, I, I would probably lighten up on myself a little bit and, and not have the idea that I have to know it all and have all of the answers or say everything just right. I, I would probably even talk more about Jesus with people who don't follow him. And I think that if I, if I leaned on him expectantly, expectantly, like he's, he's, he's coming through, right? I just expected. If I, if I leaned on him expectantly, if, if I talked to him more, if I was sensitive to listen to him because Jesus said that he would speak to us the very words of God, and, and, and if I was more sensitive to his conviction in my own life and, and to his leading, if I, if I looked expectantly for those things, if I, if I believed that I have with me and in me a, a, a very present, strong helper for me, one who is able where I am not. If I was confident that, 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 that Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit were, were true myself, that Jesus would not lie, I think that I would see in myself and I think that you would see in me and, and we would enjoy in me and from me all of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How do we, how do we live a, a, a life in the Spirit as it was meant to be lived? Paul says, as you received him, which was by, by faith, so now walk in him. Not, not by sight. Listen to me on this one, my charismatic friends. Not by an emotional experience. By faith. By faith. Believing that he is who Jesus said that he is. Believing that he will do all that Jesus said that he will do. And why would we not believe Jesus? Why would we not believe God, our great Father, when it comes to the Spirit? If there's any question, we really don't need to look any further than the cross, do we? There we see the proof that he is faithful and true. And there we see the the, the great ends to which he would go for us, his children. He is faithful and he is true and he is able and he has sent to us his spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we know and we want to believe Help us in our unbelief. Thank you for the helper that you have sent. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are, you are with us no matter what. I am thankful that your presence and your, your help is not dependent on my life recognizing you. You are a gift of grace from the Father. Help us to not forget. Help us to remember. Remind us again and again. Help us to bear this fruit because we walk with the Spirit. Help us to walk with the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.